and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell, and today we are talking about two vampire movies, Blade and Underworld. Ooh. But first, let's catch up. What are you into, Bridget? Um, so I would like to plug another podcast. I uh, recently took a bit of a road trip with my boyfriend, and I haven't really been listening to podcasts because I'm home all the time. And uh, not in the car very often, but we started listening to You're Wrong About. Have you ever listened to it? No. Okay. So, like, remember the early days of My Favorite Murder when you were like, wow, this is so great and, like, fun. Uh, (laughs) And scratching an itch that I didn't know I wanted to be scratched. That's You're Wrong About, except it's by two investigative journalists. And they kind of look into media sensations um, from the past few decades or urban legends kind of, or kind of wronged figures in the media. Mm -hmm. And they present, um, like the way the format of the show is, is that one of the hosts will do the research on like, kind of like what actually happened. And then the other host will recount their memory of what it was reported like. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's like kind of like countering perceptions that we have all come to, like we have all absorbed. Um, like for instance, the, the tap, the topics they tackle are like Tanya Harding or like Coco, the gorilla, stranger danger, like urban legends, like razor blades and Halloween candy. And so it's super well researched, but they're also Mm -hmm. very funny. Um, the episodes that I've listened to and really enjoyed were on princess Anastasia of Russia and kind of like how nineties kids like were all obsessed with her uh, because of the movie and like they kind of went into like the real life story. The Coco the Gorilla one is really, really good and had me thinking about um, like ableism and Mm -hmm. uh, ASL in ways I hadn't really thought of before. And I just listened yesterday to their urban legends um, episode kind of about like the razor blade in your candy or the babysitter being killed by a man calling from inside the house and uh it's just really interesting they're both really really smart and very funny and they have a great chemistry um so like i was saying it kind of got me that my favorite murder feeling except they're like they know what they're talking about (laughs) and they're like really well researched uh but yeah can't recommend it enough it's called you're wrong about um and then the other thing i'm into is i think last weekend or two weekends ago i watched uh the la llorena movie from 2019 not to be confused with the curse of la llorena um which is uh like an american made movie with the girl from freaks and geeks i tried watching that one months ago and it was so bad and so offensive like it's a white savior story about oh, this no. like white woman who adopts to Mexican kids whose mom is killed and then like uh, stumbles into like this spooky Mexican gothic folklore. This movie directed by Jairo Bustamante was so good. It's on Shutter or Amazon Prime. Um, and so it's about the, the like legend of La Llorena is uh, she's like this weeping woman whose children have been drowned and she'll, if like you hear her crying, she's coming for you. But the way they chose to tell the story was um, set in Guatemala, and it was about this elderly um, former like military general who had overseen a genocide of an indigenous people in his like youth, and he, as an old man, is on trial for the genocide, and he is um, found guilty and going to probably going to have it be pardoned though. Um, and so the, the story centers on his, his mansion as all of the maids and, um, other staff kind of like flee the house because he starts to hear the weeping of, um, this ghost. And it's the main character is his daughter, who is this like young progressive, like more progressive woman who you're like aware of her probably starting to grapple with her father's like terrible history mm-hmm. as, you know, like a genocidal military leader in her country. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just really, really good. It, I think, like, deals both with, like, indigenous issues of South America in a way I've never seen in a movie. And it's such a good example of, like, the American La Urena movie was bad because I looked it up and it was written by, like, two white people and directed by a, a white person, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, it's just, like, not their story, you know? Right. And um, to, to see it in the hands of you know, South American filmmakers and a cast that was more diverse, Mm -hmm. uh, immediately. And like, they, they just reinterpreted the story in such a a really spooky 
spooky way. Highly recommend. Really, really Ooh, good. I want to watch it now. It was so good. It was one of the best horror movies I've watched in a while. Wow. Um, really good. And then the other thing I want to uh, plug, it's a little known, uh, <laughs> the New York Times cooking app. I was really scraping for the bottom of the barrel with this one. <laughs> I was like, what have I been into? I recently upped my, uh, uh, restarted my New York Times cooking subscription and cause I'm trying to like wean myself off Bon Appetit recipes. And I know mm-hmm. New York Times is not, uh, you know, like a perfect bubble of, um, yeah. But if you, if, any listeners have other recommendations for websites to get recipes from? Hmm. Let me know because I'd love to start branching out more. Yeah, me too. Yeah, Ken's. What are you into? Um, so I have nothing new that I'm into. I uh, moved last week and started a new job last week, so I've just been life changes. Yeah, there has been nothing. Um, I guess I can talk about. Um, I have been watching Gilmore Girls. Like, at, it's been on oh, in the background yeah. as I've been, um, you know, packing, unpacking. How that far type are of you? Thing. I'm at the end of season two. Um, oh, Jess yeah. just uh, crashed oh. Rory's car. Oh yeah. So that's um, amping up there. Um, I do have to say, I don't think I've, I noticed in past rewatches, like that they make just do magic tricks. Yeah. It's so corny. He's it's like, terrible. Cool. He's not cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just, it's funny how they really like torpedo Dean's character so hard to make room um, for Jess. Yeah. They like in the beginning, like he reads books and then, mm-hmm. and then when Jess shows up, he's like, I don't like to read. He's like, who's Bjork? Yeah. <laughs> Does he even know who Bjork is? <laughs> yeah. It's like Dean is like an absolute stone, like caveman. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so that's been fun. It's very comforting to watch people yeah. who like have no real problems. Except so the true. ones that they cause themselves. So no freaking reason. true. That yeah. is the appeal of that show. Yeah. They're just like. They have this money cushion all the yeah. time. Yes. <laughs> so like very lovely um they're also terrible but you know yeah they are terrible they're terrible white women <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. terrible yeah oh god gilmore girls and sex in the city both have that same problem where mm-hmm. there are really like no people of color other than michelle and gilmore girls i guess and then like they're written into like the waitress the professor the flight attendant, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, that's where we'll write a person of color in for yeah. our TV show. And Lane, too. They totally, oh, like, yeah, and Lane. I know, yeah. like, detonate her character, too. And, like, Lane secretly has such a good story. Like, the Lane Mrs. Kim arc makes mm-hmm. me more emotional than I think a lot of the Rory and Emily stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except then she gets, like, pregnant and it's terrible after having sex once yeah it's like they did her so dirty they did her so dirty and zach is so bad like yes they should have had her be with the adam brody dave rogalski i think the best boyfriend on all of gilmore girls yeah i agree Uh, unproblematic mrs kim (sighs) approved yeah anyway so i've been doing that and then i've also been just keep chugging along with one piece one piece is like my my relaxation show Mm -hmm. and gilmore girls is like my in the background show because one piece obviously is subtitled it's the anime about the pirates if you hadn't listened to our past (laughs) episodes um and now i'm at the part uh just an update for those paying attention um now i'm at the end of impelled down so luffy is uh trying to rescue his brother ace from his planned execution oh my gosh stressful it is very stressful very Um, stressful yeah so i literally have done nothing else like (laughs) i was like i don't have anything to talk about um that's okay you have um you've your two new favorite movies blade and underworld to talk about yeah those are the like actually the only new things that i've watched so uh yeah i haven't seen either of these movies before so let's jump into it yeah um so our first movie we're talking about is blade from 1998 
After his pregnant mother is attacked by a vampire, Eric Brooks, a.k.a. Blade, is born a daywalker, a human-vampire hybrid. Blade is able to walk amongst humans, but he also possesses incredible strength and a lust for blood. Belonging in neither the human or vampire world, Blade dedicates his time to hunting vampires, who have infiltrated society at every level. He and an unwitting Dr. Karen Jensen uncover a vampire plot to harness the very characteristics that make Blade unique. Um, while writing these summaries, I was like, these movies have basically the same plot. Mm-hmm. Um, with different executions, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, like, the plot... the of both these movies, like the crux of it is vampires or other groups are attempting to find a person whose blood or DNA is the key because it's special. It's uh, mixed, uh, you know? Yeah. And, and it will make them more powerful. It's the same plot. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but Blade is so much better. And yeah. I wish I had watched it first. I watched Underworld first because mm-hmm. I wanted to save Blade because I was like maybe going to have to watch one of these with other people. And I was like, I know Underworlds will be worse, so I'll watch that by myself. And yeah. then if I have to watch Blade with someone else, like it'll Blade, be better. Yeah. <laughs> I watched Blade first and Blade was much better. And it's one of those movies that I've been meaning to watch forever. And apparently mm-hmm. the second the sequel is by Guillermo del Toro and it's mm-hmm. beloved. Like people say very often that the yeah. sequel is one of the best superhero movies. I mean, I read in in the art, the Ringer article, mm-hmm. I think, that guy was like, the second Blade is bad, uh, is worse. Oh, and then in like other articles, like yeah. in The Hollywood Reporter, it was like, the second one's great. <laughs> yeah, I, have, I was surprised by that Ringer take because that's like the opposite of what I've heard is that the second one is like really right, good yeah, Guillermo del Toro's direction. Exactly, yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I thought too. And I mean, I want to watch it too anyway Mm. uh whether it's good or bad like and Mm. just decide for myself but i mean it seems promising because i really liked this first one and i like guillermo del toro yeah it's a it's a a match that i can get behind yeah um so this has kind of been retrospectively identified as one of the first black superhero movies um to reach a mainstream audience. I think when Black Panther came out, a lot of people were pointing that out as well. That um, right. this movie kind of did it first and it's a Marvel superhero property. Mm-hmm. And really the beginning of Marvel's like takeover of cinema, um, like one of its first successful movies. Right. I mean, in that Ringer article, the um, writer, uh, Justin Charity said um, that a lot of people were pointing to this mm-hmm. movie when Black Panther came out as like one of the first superhero movies that had a black man mm-hmm. or a black lead. Um, but he was also like, that's sort of ignoring some of the other mm-hmm. like superhero movies that came out in the 90s that um, like Spawn and Steel both came out in 1997 he mentioned in his article in the ringer and um two superhero movies that are like comedic mm-hmm. i mean uh the meteor man and blank man um mm-hmm. also came out in the 90s i guess also men in black was based on a comic which i didn't know i didn't realize that either yeah yeah um but i guess i was like that's interesting like i didn't i've never heard of those movies but um mm-hmm. it would be interesting to learn more about them mm-hmm. i think and another essay we read um, by Vice Victus in on Medium called Blade, A Mythos Empowered, he makes a really good point, which is that Blade draws a lot on black exploitation films from the 70s and like that mm-hmm. kind of craze. Uh, and those were kind of, in a way, the first black superheroes, you know, mm-hmm. like a, mm-hmm. um, those characters uh, were kind of like larger than life and mm-hmm. heroes in their genre. And Blade definitely draws upon. It's funny because it's the tone of this movie is both very serious, and then there are these like elements, especially with Wesley Snipes' performance, that kind of nod to black exploitation movies. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of particularly his line that apparently he ad libbed <laughs> in like the final confrontation with the villain. Mm-hmm. He says, "Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill." <laughs> That's yeah, my that was good. Line. Yeah, you know, so like he has these really good pithy. Um, comebacks a lot that mm-hmm. uh, kind of brighten up what is otherwise a pretty like tonally gothic. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I really enjoyed the look of this movie. Uh, it was nice mm-hmm. to watch a superhero movie that is stylish and not, you know, mm-hmm. have you ever seen those like tweets that go viral? That's like the cinematography of yeah. Endgame is so amazing. And then it's like, basically it looks like a desktop background. Right yeah. Now. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But this is like a movie that a superhero movie where they're actually were thinking about like, um, shots and being adventurous mm-hmm. and how they filmed. Uh, yeah. Especially I think, and a few articles we read sort of pointed the scene out too, mm-hmm. but the first scene was like it like incredible i was like what am i in for so the it's a setup with i mean there's actually like a first the first scene is showing Mm. um blade's mom getting rushed into the hospital so i think that works i'm we can maybe talk about this more with underworld in our comparison Mm -hmm. but it immediately sets you up with like feeling uh some type of way about the main character because you see like you know that this uh mom that is in the Mm. hospital who is pregnant like that baby is going to be the main character and you're like okay so you already feel connected to that person Mm -hmm. um and then it goes into this very which is something that underworld never does (laughs) you never feel connected to that to the main character um no and uh And then it goes in Blade, it goes into this really awesome scene with a like um, sort of anonymous vampire who you never see again, really. But Mm -hmm. she's like taking her prey to this underground rave in like a meat factory. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is so stylish. And it's like ends up uh, everyone's being coated in blood. It's called like the party's called bloodbath and blood is just like raining down from the sprinklers. Um, And it's just like incredible it's so creepy and so gross and it just like it's and it's so intense too like Mm -hmm. you can't you can't help but have like an immediate reaction to it Mm -hmm. um and it's a great introduction of blade exactly yeah Mm -hmm. and then blade shows up and you're like holy shit he can take down this entire room of very scary people (laughs) yeah it's blade is so much better at using its visual language to further the story you know, because you immediately kind of get a sense of the vampire culture and that mm-hmm. they are in an underground world. They are existing amongst us. You know, this vampire who is actually played by Tracy Lords in a cameo. She's in Crybaby, John Waters movie. She's that mm-hmm. blonde girl with like the bouffant yeah. that you probably recognize. Mm-hmm. And she also has starred in a, a number of like adult films. But it was, it was a it was like a fun cameo to notice. But you you get that sense, you know, of that they're existing amongst us. They're drawing people into their like seedy underworld. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you just immediately have like a better sense of how these vampires I- exist amongst us. Whereas in underworld, it's like, huh? Like, yeah. What? Is there just it's a so shootout confusing. at a train station? You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. And Wesley Snipes comes in as blade and apparently Wesley Snipes, I did not know this was a martial artist before he was an actor and he does yeah. all his own stunts. That's crazy. It shows. I mean, he's, it's like great yeah like apparently his portrayal of blade kind of remade the character who was kind of just like a supporting character in some Mm -hmm. marvel comics and he was just a vampire hunter and not half a vampire and now like the comic book is based off of the movie blade yeah i mean in um the hollywood reporter article that we read by richard newby he sort of makes a comparison of what happened to the blade Mm. character to what uh, Robert Downey Jr. did with the Iron Man character where like they're kind of synonymous now yeah. with each other and that's the same with Wesley Snipes and Blade too and I think I have this right but that Mahershala Ali is gonna um, be the new Blade in an upcoming film that would be awesome because in um, Alita oh yeah his character is like so reminiscent of oh you're so Blade, right. i feel like at least in terms of like style like mm-hmm. uh with the like long leather trench and yeah. the sunglasses like mm-hmm. he would be a gr- like great as blade i feel like so interesting that this movie um was in production at the same time as the matrix mm-hmm. you know um i watching underworld which came out five years later after both these movies you're kind of like okay they're trying to do the matrix like they're trying to be the matrix <laughs> right. at times but blade was happening concurrently with the matrix mm-hmm. and i think it just speaks to like this 90s aesthetic of filmmaking where mm-hmm. um i don't know like what do you call the, it's not goth 
it's like cyberpunk cyberpunk i guess yeah uh but and apparently like i could see this also being filmed on like the same lot as the matrix you know Mm because it's like this anonymous looking city Mm -hmm. Uh, apparently they filmed in both los angeles and new york so it's a little difficult to kind of Mm -hmm. tell where they are um and uh i thought at first by watching i was kind of disappointed with the the main two blade characters so blade in the title role and then Mm -hmm. dr karen jensen uh i was like these two have no chemistry Um, they have more chemistry, I would say, than the couple in Underworld. Yes. Uh, and have kind of, like, for the most of the film, I'm kind of like, okay, I like don't really, like, see these two getting together. Like, there's no, like, any right. hint of tension, I yeah. think. But then they have this very, um, like, intimate blood-draining moment. Yeah. Yeah, that was very, very sexy. And mm. in this article on Medium um, by Vice Victus, uh, they do point out that... Um, in a sense, uh, Blade is trying to renegotiate the ambivalent positioning of the black action hero as either hypersexualized or passively castrated. And I thought that was interesting to kind of read after my initial gut reaction, which was like, oh, they like don't really have any sexual chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that like they were threading, I don't, maybe un- unknowingly um, for the part of the director, like a difficult line between probably like over sexualizing Wesley mm-hmm. Snipes as Blade or making him kind of like like uh castrated as that writer says yeah and it's tricky too i think because vampires are just like a sexual yeah monster character mm-hmm. you know um just because of like the whole like the like the penetration exactly mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um so maybe like if they had it's easy to go over the top with that i feel like and i think underworld <laughs> did go over the top with like the sexual like penetration stuff yeah um even though like those characters i feel like had no chemistry either zero chemistry zero chemistry um and so another interesting thing that both these movies do because it's essentially the same plot is (laughs) it's about like um like singular heroes who are going against like a system you know Mm -hmm. and kind of in the same way the matrix was it's very like a 90s sort Mm -hmm. of anxiety perhaps Mm -hmm. um but I thought this point in uh, Vice Victus's article was super interesting. Um, uh, Blade expanding on Blade's symbolism as an anti-establishment militant force, and this was applied to different templates in an attempt to obtain a broader audience appeal. This is particularly the case of the Resident Evil and Underworld franchises, which feature white women as the central heroes who defy the racially coded evil white undead patriarchy. Uh, I thought that was very interesting that uh, Celine in Underworld is basically in the same role as Wesley Snipes in a sense, and that she's going against the society, <laughs> the vampire society, mm-hmm. except mm-hmm. it's so much less meaningful because she's just like, you know, a white woman and there's no like racial coding there. Um, yeah. And because they do try and make it like a like a Romeo and Juliet type thing, which just totally fails. Like it doesn't work. Like (laughs) they try and like make it hinge upon like they're in love. So Mm -hmm. that's why they have to like make the species go together, I guess. But it just, there's no, like we don't care about it. So (laughs) exactly. Both of these movies also, um, try to kind of like scienceify vampirism Mm -hmm. vampirism and like explain it with science and medical (laughs) terminology i think again it works better in blade because blade Mm -hmm. is kind of already like established um like immediately from the Mm get-go that like okay we're gonna be talking about the virus i mean the vampire vampirism is like in terms of a virus like Mm -hmm. blade's mom has been infected she has a baby who's infected Mm -hmm. um i (laughs) I don't always love that in vampire movies because I think it kind of takes away from what makes vampires like cool and special. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> I did laugh out loud um, in the scene where the main villain of Blade, who's named Frost, what's his first name? Frost? Stephen I don't Frost? know. I don't know. But he's played <laughs> by, oh, he's played by Stephen Dorff. Um, <laughs> anyway, so Blade, unlike the other vampires, can walk around during the daytime and his antagonist frost appears in the middle of the daytime to taunt him and he is wearing white sunblock all over his face 
in his oh body. Oh my god! I was Wait, like, What's I missed going on? that part. I missed that. Oh my gosh! Well, they show it. They show it first. They show it like uh, his blonde girlfriend, who I kind of liked. <laughs> It's like applying it to his face. And I was like, what's going on? Is he putting on like geisha makeup? Like what's happening here? Because <laughs> he's getting like white makeup put on his face. Mm-hmm. And then he shows up outside and it's, he's wearing sunblock. But I'm That's like, hilarious. okay, now you've taken the vampire science in a direction I cannot go behind. Like, yeah. This is silly. <laughs> That's very funny. Yeah. He, the villain in this too, it was very like, like he basically wanted uh, to take control of vampire like the vampire like underground and subjugate humans because he wanted to party hell yeah he's like a hedge fund bro yeah he reminded me a lot of like mark zuckerberg kind of like yeah you know or like uh the joker in the batman versus superman movie or whatever yeah and spoiler for blade a 20 year old movie but there's like a bit of a daddy element there too which they play very casually yes you're right totally yeah and um sana uh lathan from love and basketball appears in this movie i was happy to see her Mm -hmm. and happy also that they made blades love interest a black woman as well yeah Um, or is it a love interest like i don't know supposed to be (laughs) that or is it just like they're i don't know but maybe some clarification will be had in the the sequel this yeah yeah because it did seem like blade was not into it yeah he's busy mm-hmm. yeah exactly um but this movie so uh has like a betrayal of mm-hmm. a parent figure in this case the mom yeah. blade's mom and underworld also has that underworld just looked over in class at yeah. blade's homework and copied it and yeah. just tried to change a few things yeah uh yeah yeah um yeah, in that Ringer article, Justin Charity points out that this is one of the most diverse Marvel films still. You know, a 20-year-old mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Um, still one of the most diverse Marvel movies, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Yeah. Um Like, what have we been doing? I, like, I know. what the fuck? But very happy that they are um, rebooting this. And I will also say that um, in the What We Do in the Shadows TV show, there is a scene where a vampire council is called, and it's like made up of actors who have played vampires that are mm-hmm. actually vampires, like Tilda Swinton's there, mm-hmm. and um, Evan Rachel Wood, and Wesley Snipe is trying to uh, <laughs> FaceTime into the meeting, and his, uh, <laughs> his, <laughs> his like, uh, internet keeps freezing. <laughs> it's very silly. I love I love that scene. So and they good. call him a daywalker in it. They're like oh, daywalkers. Oh. <laughs> and Blade is just cool. Like Blade, it just looks cool. Um, yeah, in a way that we'll get to Underworld. <laughs> I feel like Underworld his aesthetic aesthetic is like so soupy compared to Blade, which is like very clear about like what it's going for. Yeah. Yep. I totally agree. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we can talk about it more when we talk about Underworld, but yes. Do you want to jump into one-star reviews of Blade? Yeah. Um, So this first review says, uh, those are vampires? I didn't see any vampires. When did they start putting tattoos on the back of their necks so they know what kind of vampires they are? Well, for you comic lovers, I guess I'll spare it. But for you horror and vampire lovers, this is a sorry excuse for a vampire movie. It was horrible. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I think the interesting thing about like kind of vampires and pop culture um, after like Nosferatu hmm. and like Dracula is that we have like developed this like very clear cut and kind of almost immovable sense of what a vampire should look like in a movie, which is basically like white, thin, hmm. sexy, mm-hmm. and like kind of goth. You know, mm-hmm. um, like I think of Interview with a Vampire, right. uh, and I, I was saying to Tim that the biggest deviation from this vampire mold or of what a vampire should look like in recent pop culture is Twilight, you know, and they're yeah. like Christians in khakis. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the first big move away from, oh God. I, cause I, this review, I was like, what do you mean? This is what vampires look like. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's also like. Did you watch the first scene where they're covered in blood and have like long canine teeth yeah. and are sucking blood out of people? Like, yeah. what are, you know, what, what vampires look like? Um, yeah. 
the second one star review is I was so hoping it would be good. I was very disappointed. Sad face. It was really dumb with a capital D dumb Claire (laughs) written by Claire. You know, Claire, we don't agree. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh, just uh, something to look forward to is I got some of the underworld uh, reviews from ChristianAnswers.net, which I was Uh, on. I had a feeling you did. (laughs) (laughs) Which I I stumbled onto for the haunted house, the haunted mansion episode, and then I found my way there again, and I was, uh, oh man, people Christians kind of liked Underworld. I'm I'm excited to read those ones, so stay tuned. For some great one star reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what would you rate Blade? Um, I really liked Blade. I would give it a six. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a six too. It was like super stylish, which I loved. And it was a lot of fun too. Like, yeah, it, was it was a fun. very fun movie. It was easy to watch and it was very, it had like a lot of unique ideas too, um, mm-hmm. which I liked. So, yeah. That uh, Underworld copied. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so our second movie is Underworld from 2003. Vampires and lichens have been warring for centuries. Selene, a death dealer or warrior tasked with hunting werewolves, discovers a wolfish plot to harness an ancient bloodline. The key to this plot is found in the genes of Michael Corvin, a medical intern and human. Celine navigates vampire politics as she and Michael discover the real root of vampire-like intentions and fall in love. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, sort of, I guess. Good use of wolfish, though. Good job, Thank Bridget. Thank you. Thank this- you. Yes, the lichens are werewolves. They call them lichens, mm-hmm. uh, which makes me think of L-I-C-H-E-N. Yes, that's what I thought at first. I was like, okay, so they're like, when they when she first said it, I was like, okay, so we're getting into like uh, some like zombie type uh last of us you know people uh like they have like coral growing out of them no but no it was werewolves like like canthropy so i think one way this movie like super fails is it's supposed to be like you said this romeo versus juliet like two great houses warring with each other Mm -hmm. but there is really no discernible difference not even visually between the vampires and the werewolves like Mm -hmm. obviously the vampires the werewolves i'm sorry turn into like wolf creatures yeah but like when you see them in their human form you're kind of like why aren't these guys friends like there's yeah. there's no like cultural difference really maybe mm-hmm. that's supposed to be the point is that they're very alike um mm-hmm. they do try to set up kind of like this weird racialized subtext where the werewolves apparently were once slaves of the vampires mm-hmm. the really annoying thing about this movie is that they try to give you kind of like important information and in weird flashbacks that are just mm-hmm. like impressionistic mm-hmm. garbled nonsense. Yeah. It's so confusing. Um, you don't know about any of that until like at least an hour into the movie, maybe more. It's crazy how poorly this movie is able <laughs> poorly. They like explain what is a very simple plot? You know, like it should not be confusing at all. Yeah. But there's scenes where you're like, oh, well, I don't understand motivations right now. Like what's mm-hmm. going on with the, one of the villains whose name is literally Craven. They're like, if you couldn't tell yeah. he was evil from the get go, we're going to name him Craven. <laughs> you know, I'm like one, I don't understand like Craven's motivations were still like really unclear to me. Mm-hmm. And from scene to scene, I was kind of like, what is he doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going on? <laughs> also the guy who plays the main volturi in twilight is Michael the main Sheen. werewolf bad guy yes oh my gosh so that confused me a lot because i because you don't see him ever turn into a werewolf he's oh, only you're in, so right he's well, only you, in his human hmm. form or maybe you do flashback. i don't know yeah but yeah so i was like extremely confused i was like is he a vampire i was like is the van like because they don't look different. They yes, look, they look yeah. even the same. Yes, exactly. And he had like the like dark slick back hair, which the vampires had. So yeah. I was like, is he a vampire? I know him as a vampire from Twilight. Yes. So. I mean, uh, probably the on- one of the only actors who's been in two huge uh, vampire film franchises. 
Uh, something I will take away from this movie is that I officially think Martin Sheen is hot and could get it. Uh, Wait, who is that? So is he's that the- in... It's the Volturi guy. Okay. Um, he's been in... Oh, and he was together with... Yes. So Martin Kate. Sheen okay. and Kate Beckinsale were together for eight years. Kate Beckinsale is the lead, Celine. They have a mm-hmm. kid together. Um, and they seem like very happy exes. Like they post a lot of cute pictures on Instagram together, but the behind the scenes drama was this movie came at the end of their relationship because Kate Beckinsale started an affair with the director who was married to a, like a preschool teacher. Oh, <laughs> which imagine being it. like a preschool teacher and your husband is going to work every day with Kate Beckinsale. Who's in a fetish suit. Like, yeah, that would be hard. Um, I'm not trying to pit women against each other, but that would just be upsetting. And well, especially because like, they actually had an affair too. I know. Yeah. Dang. I, I read like a, I think in the New York times review, some, the writer was like, clearly director Len Wiseman is in love with Kate Beckinsale. Cause the camera just like is glued to her face, um, mm-hmm. in every scene. Yeah, for sure. Um, can't tell if Kate Beckinsale, I haven't seen enough of her movies to tell if she is not a good actress or if she just literally was given nothing to do in this movie other than be in a fetish suit and, um, jump in slow motion. Yeah. Like not her fault, not her fault at all. Celine is dra- like terribly underwritten. Right. They give her an origin story halfway through the movie that is so rote and done. Where mm-hmm. it's like her parents were killed by lichens. She's a vampire now. <laughs> she hates those werewolves, and then she kisses. Okay, and the other guy who's really underwritten and virtually has the charisma of an earthworm is uh the main human character michael who turns out he is has the forbidden gene profile that will make him a vampire werewolf hybrid and mm-hmm. the strongest of them all he is so boring and like i can't even summon what he looks like and i just finished watching this movie last night <laughs> yeah um so remember how in Blade, how I was like, we immediately care for him because we see yes. like his mom die. Uh, none of that happens. Mm-hmm. In and this. it's not a drawn out origin story. It's like just a scene where it's set up, you know? Yeah. It's not like we didn't, we needed to devote 15 minutes. Right. To it, exactly. You know? It could be done like so quickly, but you're really thrown into it. And I, I, in my notes, I was like, why do I care about Celine? Like what? I don't. I I, yeah it's like why am i supposed to it's like you never aside from we see her the most <laughs> like, yeah exactly she is on screen the most <laughs> yeah the only reason this movie also um so in blade wesley snipes is obviously like this amazing martial artist mm-hmm. and his physicality and fight scenes is what makes them so exciting to watch mm-hmm. and to see how he interacts um with other characters in that way and fights mm-hmm. kate beckinsale has a gun and mm-hmm. literally watching gunfights is like the most, I just like have gunfight ADHD where mm-hmm. I am like, I cannot pay attention to this, mm-hmm. um, at all. Uh, and there's so much gunfights in this movie. Yeah. I was very surprised when the first gunfight happened because for some reason in my head, I was thinking, oh, they're going to have like swords or something or like, yeah, no, I don't know, but it's just immediately like a gunfight and it's not well done like i think there's like you can do it well like i think like uh john wick does well but like where it's like gun foo or whatever but this is bad it's like there was a point where uh kate beckinsale is like reloading her gun or whatever and it's just she has to like pause and like get on the ground and like reload it and i was and, and it takes like too long and i was I thinking about i mean it's probably it's more realistic obviously but like i was thinking about john wick you're a vampire like, there would be oh. no time it would yeah, just exactly. like it would have been like so balletic you know like exactly. and almost like a dance yeah and in that's here really it's just point. like grinds the action to a, a halt, halt. It, yeah exactly it's just <sighs> it it's it made me think like you were fucking vampires we see like no vampire action right you know? like, like the, the only thing is where she like jumps from uh, hu- big heights with yeah. no fear and like lands on her feet. That's like the only vampire thing. Exactly. Um, there is one scene where she is being chased by a bunch of werewolves and they're coming down a hallway at her and like climbing on the walls. Oh, that was cool. And she shoots a circle around her <laughs> yes. with her gun. 
And apparently Tim told me they tried to do this on Mythbusters to see if it would oh work. Oh my God. You could shoot your way through a floor. You can't. But I'm sure. You'd have to reload like a million times. And also yeah. why it was happening in the film, I was like, why are you doing this? Why aren't you shooting the werewolves? Like, right. I thought that too. It seems like a weird waste of ammo. I thought that same thing. Although I did like the werewolf look, I guess. Like I liked the... Uh, I'm pretty sure they were... It was like a mix of CGI and like practical effects, I think. Like, like obviously, I think. Like, I think, obviously, when they were like crawling on the wall, it was CGI. But I liked it. <laughs> and um, then, yeah, like, but like close-ups of them, I think, were maybe mm-hmm. some practical. practical effects. So Michael, at the end of the movie, big underworld spoiler here, he does become the vampire-werewolf hybrid, and he <laughs> looks like a Na'vi. <laughs> It's very weird. Yeah, it's almost like it, it was almost like blackface a little yeah. bit. Oh, it was not great. He gets yeah. like a black blue yeah. tinge. Uh, it was weird. Yeah, it was terrible. It was really weird. Yeah, oh, it was not good. It was not good at all. <laughs> and so Bill Nye, is that how you say his name? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, is like the main villain uh it's revealed sort of and he when i first saw him as like a decrepit like uh just awakened old vampire corpse thing i was like great love it (laughs) um and you know i think he was good in his role like he he did add some excitement to the movie that i think it was like very much needed um Mm -hmm. And it was like, finally, an adult is here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's sort of the feeling. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he is like the father figure to Celine that is sort of like, kind of, I think the idea is sort of stolen from Blade with the mom, the betrayal kind of thing where he um, it is revealed that he's actually the one that killed her family, not the Lakins. Dun, 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 dun. So, uh, and then at the end, he's defeated by Celine. She cuts his head in half. Uh, literally the only moment of the movie that shocked me. I, it didn't, so it didn't shock me, but I was like, cool. And then I looked it up and this came out the same year as Kill Bill, I think. And I was like, similar vibes with the head. Yeah. And the split in half. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so this movie, like Blade, also tries to mix like science and fantasy, but in a hilariously dumb way where <laughs> they're like trying to work on the gene splicing of the... There's this scene where the the werewolf scientist is like at work and his labels are like vampire lichen. <laughs> like yeah. There's just like blood labels. Oh my gosh. Um, and then he puts... it. This part was hilarious to me. He puts the uh, Michael Corvin's blood, the human's mm. blood, into like a huge beaker filled with like water oh my gosh, yes. and then it just becomes smoky and then it turns like purple and he's like it's positive it's a match <laughs> and that was that was hilarious to me um like at least in blade she's like a hematologist and like yes. knows about blood and is looking in a microscope and is like these red blood cells are different <laughs> and in blade it's more of like I th- immediately they're kind of like this is a virus like again, right. the opening scene where mm-hmm. blade is infected in vitro basically right um yeah. And also something not to just jump back into Blade, but I liked that they kind of the lesser vampires and like the vampire groupies almost seemed like like heroin chic, you know, mm-hmm. like where they were like kind of like druggies who were yeah. hanging out um, and party people. Uh, and that kind of, uh, again, was just like a better visual language for vampire right. culture. This was like the vampires are kind of also like gentry and they hang out in mm-hmm. fancy costumes and they have they have like vampire courts, which I was like, ooh, kind of interesting. And then they mm-hmm. don't do anything interesting with that at all. Mm-hmm. Even Blade does more with like the vampire like politics, I guess, like yeah. and having a court that and it's very similar to Underworld, just like in terms of the visuals and like setup, I guess. But Blade just mm-hmm. does it better because they actually like take time to explain it yeah. and it's not even that much time it's just like they just like better at Set it up. figuring it out you know yeah and the writing is better yeah i caramba <laughs> um oh okay i guess like a good last thing for us to talk about is for some reason underworld is very popular <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, it's wild that this is like, how many sequels does this have? A ton. And uh, so this is from an article from 2012 in Vulture by Claude Brodesser Ackner about the long-term success of the Underworld franchise. He writes, if Twilight is emo pop with $2 billion in global grosses, then Underworld is gothcore, darkly devoid of any pretty boy heartthrobs with gray hair. Totally disagree. Like, I feel like th- they are trying to do that. Um, <laughs> its audience may not have grown markedly, but it certainly has not shrunk either. Each film since the first has made just shy of $100 million worldwide. So it's just super popular. And this article basically puts forth it's because it was always marketed towards older people. So it's like mm-hmm. its fans have never aged out of it. Um, and apparently it does well with women. Um, it has like a pretty split audience demographic. Uh, you know, like, I feel like I understand that because what else do we have? I, I, yeah, I get like women wanting to see like a sexy, another, like a sexy woman doing action. Like, I feel like that's appealing to me. Sure, sure. And, like, she does look great. Like, Kate Beckinsale yeah. is beautiful. Her outfit, her boots are cool. I remember, mm-hmm. like, looking at the cover of this DVD in Blockbuster and being like, ooh. Yeah, yeah same. Uh, and yeah. she does make me want to get a bob again. Yeah. Her bob is very good and yeah. maybe iconic. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the yeah. but the writing is just terrible. It's, like, so bad that you can't like it. So I mean, terrible. I at least, for, like, I can't, really. Mm-hmm. In this article on Vulture, I don't have the guy's name sourced, but I think like some movie executive said, he's trying to explain why uh, women are into it. And he said, it started out Romeo and Juliet with vampires and werewolves and becomes about a mother who'll do anything to protect her child. So I'm guessing like Selene has like a baby hybrid, hybrid God. baby at some point, And it's like a mom story. Fine. Like, I whatever. <laughs> Jesus. I don't care. I don't it, Like, when, when they kiss, I was like, whoa, okay, that came out of virtually nowhere. I know. <laughs> I thought the same thing. I was like, how, I, they're just, like, horny, I guess, because they've spoken, like, two words. Two times. I know. <laughs> okay. You want to jump into one-star reviews? Sure. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could do the first one, I guess. Though I did not see the entire movie, I was still shocked by what I did watch. In plain terms, Underworld is sickening, violent, and has absolutely no biblical value. (laughs) Blood permeates the movie, and the plot wasn't even interesting. The hour that I spent watching it was a total waste of time and left me feeling guilty for seeing any of it at all. There are plenty of other movies which at least have some good value to them, but this is not one of them. Yes, this is from (laughs) ChristianAnswers.net. You know, it does lack biblical value, I guess. It does, and value, period. <laughs> yeah. Um, the second one-star review is from Brandon, age 13. <laughs> That's important. I actually like this movie a lot. Underworld has some sleek visuals and an interesting plot, if you can handle it. <laughs> I was surprised that it didn't take full advantage of the R rating. There was no sexual material except for Erica's and Amelia's cleavage which isn't a big deal. Brandon, age 13. Not a one-star review. Brandon was like, check this movie out. Yeah. Uh, it, this is not surprising. Also not surprising his name is Brandon, which you know that I hate if you are oh, yeah. a longtime fan of the pod. Yeah. Um, outlaw the name, Brandon. Although now outlaw. I should stop saying that since I now know at least one good Brandon. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, there's just Brandon. There's Brand. Oh, Brandon. there's three types. This is Brandon with an O. There's Brandon with an A. And Brandon with an E, right? No. Well, there's Brendan and Brandon, which are what I... So I believe Brendan should be the name and Brandon should just be outlawed because they're too similar. It's just confusing. And every time I say it to someone I know that has one of those names, I'm like, it could be the other. I could be fucking this up. Like, who knows? Um, So sorry to Brandon's, but Mm -hmm. change your name to Brendan. A anyway. controversial take, Mackenzie. But I'm I know. Sorry, you. I do know I one good though. Brandon who might listen. So sorry. If he's good, he'll change. Uh, <laughs> our last one-star review is: I swear, this is the single one film that made me throw up my hands and yell. What's the use? It is the single most cliche-ridden film I've ever seen. In corner number one, we have vampires. How original! In corner number two, werewolves. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's nothing original about this movie. Literally, so I ha- yeah, I have it's to a blade copy. A blade copy plus yeah, yeah. plus werewolves. Plus, yeah, they're like, ooh, I'm gonna add a little spice. <laughs> but you know, the vampires and werewolf, the vampire werewolf content isn't what I had issue with. Like, if they no. had done something 
if they hadn't copied Blade and had their own storyline, I would have been like, great, vampires, werewolves, love it, into it. Yeah, very interesting that Underworld gets a million sequels and Blade doesn't. True. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Uh, yeah, this is from the Vice Victus article we referenced earlier. Um, he says that uh, although successful and entertaining in their own rights, this is in regards to Resident Evil and Underworld, the transposition of a black antihero onto the mold of white women leaves for some unsettling and uncomfortable implications. Despite this apparent oversight, the Underworld and Resident Evil franchises currently have five and six entries in these series, respectively, compared to only three entries of Blade, an apparent justification of cultural appropriation in the eyes of film executives concerned with the bottom line. Yep. So. Mackenzie, what would you rate Underworld? Be honest. Um, I think a, um, I think a three and a half because I rated VHS a three and VHS like made me angry and this didn't make me angry. This is just like a waste, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say, uh, a three. Yeah. Cause Mm -hmm. you know, like I was thinking like great gowns, beautiful gowns. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Kate Beckinsale is pretty. Or yeah. she looks cool. That's it. Yeah, that's literally it. All right. It would really help us out if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ChickFlixPod and email us at ChickFlixPodcast at gmail dot com. Our next episode will air on November sixteenth, and we'll be discussing "See You Yesterday" and "The Hate You Give." Chick Flicks is researched and written by Bridget Hovell and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Brew Carlson for our music, and thank you for listening to Chick Flicks.